nervous the first episode of the, yeah, new, of the yeah. new I'm always nervous of the new album I always am yeah because I don't know what's gonna I yeah. don't know where we're gonna be together well, yeah I mean I think it's this is an adventure this one yeah yeah this is Mark <laughs> and this is Kenny and this is all I want to do is talk about Madonna album nine track one drowned world substitute for love Oh, I'm so excited that we're here, Mark. Oh boy, here we go. I mean, <laughs> we've gone through uh, a desert, a, a, what, what a wilderness, mean? a wilderness, not a we, desert. We've made it through a wilderness, there, and there was some desert moments. There's for me. been a lot of really wonderful things happening, but I've been craving a, a true Madonna album. Yeah, for four years. <laughs> by the time this makes it to us. <laughs> Yeah, it's the longest. It's the longest break between uh, Madonna albums. So far. Yeah. God help us. Um, yeah. I think so. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And um, what a return. Oh. oh Massive. It's, it's an insane time. 1998. Insane time. 1998, March, early March. Yep. Uh, a wintry song to kick it off. Yeah. And uh, we start with Ray of Light, uh, which many kind of consider to be Madonna's kind of second masterpiece yeah i think people yes yes i think you're right and but you don't feel that way i don't and i think we should talk about it when we get to we should go back and talk about what's happening what madonna been up to since uh she sang you must love me at the oscars and uh yes had her baby yeah because it's been about a year or so that she's been sort of out of the public spotlight yeah. in like a major way in a right? major way and she's been spending most of it in la i think yeah um, kind of hanging out with lourdes learning how to be a mom um dealing with being a, a new mom yeah yeah. Getting that body back. <laughs> yeah. And again, because we're still not in a real big social media time yet, like we just, she's just literally gone. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, and she does make, um, she, a, a whole lot of stuff is happening in, in Madonna land. She does make two very key appearances at the MTV Music Awards. Yeah. One goes back to 95. Yes. And she, then the 1997 one as yeah. well. Yeah. 1995, she shows up to accept uh, her uh, best female video for Take a Bow. Yeah. Looking quite... Uh, fabulous and um, Sharon Tatey in oh. that big that big sixties hair and oh. a and a you know a, be a beautiful silk blouse looking yeah. fabulous. She knows she's there just to to be there. It's and just a victory she just have to perform. Yeah. yeah, she that that blouse though. It's like unbuttoned down to the middle. It's like an Elvis you know or Tom Jones unbuttoning. It's like super masculine yeah. actually. But yeah, and you know, the highlight of that, of course, is the pre-show interview with Kurt Loder that gets hijacked by the Courtney very Love, one yeah. and only Courtney yeah. Love. That's the, uh, you have an album of, album of ballads coming out, right? Yeah. Kind of, a, kind of a Something smoochy. to remember. Yeah. <laughs> smoochy thing? Something to you know what to. <laughs> Does this reflect the new smoochiness in your life, or? You, you may say it's a um, reflection of that, but it's... um. It's also... Hi, Courtney. <laughs> That's Courtney, everybody's favorite. <laughs> come on up. <laughs> Should we let her come up? Yeah. No, don't, please. Come on, Courtney. Come on up. Courtney's coming up. Well, come up. Courtney Love is in, <laughs> in dire need of attention right now. Is she, is she 
She's throwing her compacts at me. <laughs> I'll just stand over here. We'll, we'll gauge it together. Hi. Good. <laughs> what you doing? I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Uh, we have some questions for you. Yeah. <laughs> Want to have yeah. a drink? We'll just all, we'll just all go somewhere and have a drink. <laughs> well, I'm going to get into astrophysicist because this rock star thing is not working out. Well, I think it's doing all right. I mean, and you're, you're I'm definitely on the serious. Internet. I'm right. so over the uh, rock star thing. But yeah. you don't even do rock stars. You like you dip, as Michael Stipe would say, dip into the population, right? Yeah. See, it's like working in the hospital. I'm like going out with the ambulance driver. Yeah. It's like I want to be a surgeon. I want to be the top surgeon. Damn it! I want to own the hospital. So you know, I go out with the other surgeons. They're assholes, right? So like, maybe I should try a candy striper. I think you should get out of the hospital. And I think a a, a reason to bring it up is it's a, this interesting new um, mode for Madonna. She's becoming kind of a um, a vanguard keeper. She's she's the adult. She's kind of yeah. completed this transition of being somebody who, um, like you said, she's she's kind of doing a victory lap. She's not there. Real, she's just there being like, you know what? I, I came and I conquered. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's it is. The, she's she's finished the comeback and now she's just riding high. And and I think that it, it almost she becomes this kind of untouchable thing in that world of MTV where there's so much nonsense going on with Courtney Love. Yeah, well, you know, Courtney Love had really, you know, she became, well, you know, we know we know she became famous through Kurt, through Kurt Cobain yeah. and Nirvana, and then when Kurt died or killed himself, she sort of rose up and her album, her first album had come out and been like a kind of really interesting hit, though a lot of people presumed or, or said that, you know, Kurt Cobain had actually written all the songs. Yes. Um, but Which, you know, a lot of people said about Madonna. Totally. Back in the day. Well, no one said Kurt Cobain wrote her songs. No, not Kurt Cobain. No. <laughs> Kurt Cobain was like 11. Um, and it's... It's actually their second album. They, they had oh. an album before that called Pretty on the Inside. Oh. And uh, the album you're talking about is Live Through This, yes. which was the famous grunge. I love that album. It's Miss World, man. I am the girl you know can't look you in the eye. I am the girl you know so sick I cannot try. Um, and it's a weird, and it's interesting that Madonna and Courtney Love are kind of coming together like this because it does feel like uh, Courtney Love, who who was very controversial at this time, very um, wasn't impressed by anybody, was was kind of a take no prisoners kind of artist who who nobody could kind of tame her. She really was gaga over Madonna, like oh, it yeah. was like a fame thing. Oh yeah, and in, in fact, there's an interview. Be- 
pre Kurt Cobain's death where she's interviewed and she talks about kind of this obsession with Madonna and actually trying to connect with Madonna mm. and Madonna's people not answering and and that then there's like a, a like there's a line back from Madonna's like camp saying who is Courtney Love <laughs> oh. <laughs> ouch 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 you see in 1997, we're in a very different moment. Well, and and again, Madonna has has come down from her castle, a tower, and um, deigned to come to the MTV Music Awards again, not performing, dressed very um, proper, prim and properly. Yeah, almost she, like Alice in Wonderland. She has like almost like a pinafore on. Yeah, yeah. And her hair is it, she's growing out the hair yes. for the new cycle. Um, it's very. Um, she looks very school marmish. Yeah. Well, she came originally because she was introducing Prodigy, yes. who's on her label, on Correct. her Maverick label. Yes. So she was probably already slated to do that and wanted to do that. Correct. But right before this event... Um, Princess Diana had died. Yeah. And so she used the opportunity to be right before she introduces Prodigy to sort of talk to the public, but I think also really the people in the audience about what had happened or as a cautionary tale or you know yeah and it and it's an interesting thing because they almost it 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 feels like shades of the bedtime story uh party where she has something she wants to do and the audience isn't gonna let her do it and she says hold up remember she says hold up and i remember that point and she's almost like disgusted with again it's that idea of what have i created yeah. And why can't I be in control of it? I just would like to take a moment to talk about what happened to Princess Diana. I am not... Hold up. Um, I'm not going to stand up here and rant and rave about the paparazzi or the irresponsible behavior of the editors of all the tabloids because even if they never change, there's still something that all of us can do. It's time for us to take responsibility for our own insatiable need to run after gossip and scandals and lies and rumors. To live vicariously through other people's misery. And it's time that we realize that everything that we say and do has an effect on the world around us that we are all connected, that we are all one. And until we change our negative behavior, tragedies like this will continue to occur. And I remember at the time, it it got a lot of of, um, uh, blowback. Um, She was seemed very haughty and very kind of like, and kind of hypocritical because it's like Madonna has has played the fame game more than any, better than anybody. Yeah, but it, in a way, like if you if you really listen to what she was saying, yeah. she's really on point with like where she is in her spiritual journey, you totally. know. And she really talks about like we are one, we are one thing. Mm-hmm. Human beings are one thing, and if we don't start respecting each other, we aren't going to survive. Like, and she really talks. It's a really beautiful yeah. sentiment, actually, and echoes through certainly you know ray of light and everything where she is in her own spiritual growth yeah um but no the audience was not hearing in fact they pan to like i feel like it's like beck or something that's like sort of sneering at her while she's doing this which makes me sad because i actually love beck but in that moment i was like beck 
But, it was back. It was Odelay back. It oh, wasn't. Yeah, you yeah, know, you have yeah. to contextualize. It's not. You know, midnight also, vultures. Oh, right, but, but even back, you know, it's complicated because he is a member of the Church of Scientology. So we have to correct. Just, that's another conversation. Correct. Um, but I do love Beck, and I would I would spend time um, talking about one of his albums at any time. By the way. <laughs> um, oh, that 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 dark uh, second series that we're, <laughs> that we're trying to think horse. about. Yeah, where yeah. we have. Um, and th- the other thing about introducing. Prodigy is um, she she and Maverick and Guy Osiri really uh, power played to get them like that was part of a huge bidding war uh, to get Prodigy on her label and they were a huge deal to get um, yeah, yeah. they didn't really kind of of um, fulfill their their promise over time no I well I mean they did in a way I mean they are they are they are a, a popular band but they weren't like I think they were thinking oh we we did something with Alanis and now our our record label is like the thing and that they would be like a U2 or yeah but, do you know what I'm saying yeah that, that's an interesting parallel I think that I would agree with that that didn't quite happen for them their sound didn't quite evolve or connect in that deeper yeah, way yeah yeah um so yeah. And I remember it being so aggressive. Like I was like, God, yeah, why yeah, Madonna yeah. loves this aggressive, crazy electro shot like punk band. Yeah. It was kind of awesome. Yeah. I mean that's a part of her, you know. I guess. I, I was very like, whoa, this is intense. There's a lot of punk on Ray of Light album for me that's yeah. just a little subdued, but yeah. it is punk in a way, which I look forward to talking about. So so Madonna's hanging out in LA. She starts writing. She's working with people. Oh, but wait, 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 wait. There's just a couple other things I want to point to. And oh, gosh. That just go back a little bit. But okay. But also, like, one is um, we really need to say a very um, sad goodbye to Junior Vasquez. Oh, because they had a falling out. It was probably 96-ish. Yeah. Um, but uh, he, you know, notoriously puts out this song called If Madonna Calls. Yeah, I I remember that. And I was just kind of like, what's going on? Like, there was a lot of these weird kind of um, recycled... Uh, encounters with Madonna that people were making money on because this was around the time pre-Madonna also came out yeah you're right you're right you're right yeah well they all came out around the same Stephen Bray's uh, collection of Madonna demos came out around this time in this beautiful it's a beautiful cover yeah purple like bluish purple and gray uh, collection of early songs by Madonna and the Breakfast Club Crimes of Passion is on it the original Crimes of Passion it's like very pretenders I love Yes, yes. Give me such a sweet reaction. Oh, Give me so much satisfaction. 
And and I I'd love to see that song have another life. Yeah, well maybe it will in the biopic. Uh, God. Um, but I love that album. I think there's a reason too. You know, we were in this what I would call this desert wilderness where we weren't getting a lot of new stuff, and so people were like making stuff because or pulling stuff up because actually there was a real hunger for it yes yes um, and so yeah so i love that album yes. i love that album and i loved actually if madonna calls it starts <laughs> you know it's based on you know you know like it's based on this voicemail oh, voice message it's not even voicemail Poor it's madonna. Answering, <laughs> answering machine message she left on junior's answering machine that's like hello junior this is madonna <laughs> Call, call me, me in Miami. Call me in Miami. <laughs> Click. And so and then it has this great beat and he's like, if Madonna calls, I'm not here, which is also hilarious because this goes back to the thing about Madonna no one returning his calls. No. calls. So but she was not pleased. Well, I think that they had a conversation where she was like, nobody ever calls me back and it really pisses me off. <laughs> and then he made this song and it's like, it was like a secret. Yeah. And and he like exploited her. Yeah. Except I think it's so funny and I felt me, made me sad because I felt like, why can't she have a sense of humor about this? I think she can if the song had a more like adventurous beat, but it, it also feels very much like everything else Junior ever. Yeah. It just it's a Junior like, song. It just felt like it should be mixed into an evening and it would just be a funny thing that would happen happen if you were out dancing you know but she sent a cease and desist and Ugh. like made him take her vocal out he re-recorded it with somebody else playing madonna like who sounded like her and, and released it and, you know hello junior this is madonna are you there call me in miami and they parted ways and liz rosenberg is like you know said like junior will never work with madonna again now apparently he did do some remixes for like a fashion show just recently yeah um but then they wouldn't allow those to be released like on a larger scale so she still holds this thing with i i would agree i would i mean the, the cease and desist that's like hardcore baby yeah it but was like I, you, it was a betrayal for us it's a betrayal and i don't like it i don't like that but don't you, you really don't no i i I mean, I think I think that vile like like voice mem voice voicemails are not Madonna public calls. property. Madonna true, calls. true, true. I mean, we should have asked Madonna her. Calls if, if, if Madonna calls, I'm not here. Madonna calls if, if, if Madonna calls if, if, if Madonna calls if, if, if Madonna calls. Tell you know who did ask her? Jose yeah. and Luis. Oh my God. Well, they. Because we did not talk about Jose and Luis. <laughs> no, we're. Okay, you are pulling back to like. We're like three years earlier in 1993. We're, we're, this is a little tidying up, Kenny. Okay, we have like to tidy it. up our affairs before we move into I 1998 mean, and all those squiggles. We, I've got to move uh, into it with yes. having everything crossed off. Yes, I'm so glad you're bringing up the Queen's English. Uh, all right, what's this about Queen's right. English? Oh, God. How could we have forgotten it? Well, I, uh, and I've been thinking about it because, you know, Jose, Jose Extravaganza and Madonna have reunited. Yes. That beautiful video. I was so moved to see them dancing together. Not talking, just no, dancing. No. But, because, um, you know, they have they have their own legal issues. A hundred percent. So yeah. I just, but I, I've forgotten about that. And that is, a, that is an encounter. And she has a lot more of these now musically where she just does a one-off with somebody that she likes. And yeah. she like, 
you know, sing some kind of weird thing on a song. Yeah, yeah. And, and doesn't really take herself so seriously in that moment. Yeah. But with Queen's English, what's great is it's clear, like you've said, like she had studio time. Like she obviously went in and recorded like a riff. They like, it's mixed yeah. really well. And she sings. She sings. She, sings she talks it. and she sings. And yeah. it's a really cute little song. I do. I like it. It's very, it's like, you, uh, like I feel like CNC Music Factory would like <laughs> use it to open a show. I love it. I, it's so it's so like like nineties. Totally. So early nineties, totally. and and they seem so lo- they're they're just they're fabulous. They're so sweet. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we I'm glad we really scooped back four years or five years. That's to the just... way to approach Madonna about a collaboration. Hey, yeah. Madonna, we're hanging in a hotel room on the Blonde Ambition tour. Jose and Luis want to become a duo. <laughs> She's like, I'll record for you. Are you sure? Totally. Are you sure? And then they follow up on it. Yeah. Yeah. That was. True. And I think that's really the way to do it. Yeah. Do you think she got paid? Um, I bet she said that she didn't want to take any money from them. Okay. Do you know what I mean? I mean, given all of the um, uh, controver- songwriting controversies on Ray of Light, I'm, <gasps> it, it is kind of like yeah. a valid kind of thing to discuss. It's yeah, like, yeah. Who, who wrote what kind of thing. Well, yeah, maybe she actually did be all businesswoman with them. Maybe. Um, I don't know. Just one other little tidbit that I want to like just... Um, mark on the calendar from uh, 1997. You know, for for having such a low key year, she was out and about a lot. Yeah, she was. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, she. I mean, she. You know, yeah. Madonna. You know, yeah, she's never stopped working. Mark. I mean, in 1997, she won a golden. At the beginning of the year, she won the Golden Globe. Yeah. She performed on the Oscar. She yeah. was at the MTV Music Awards, and and she. Um, Gave, well, she gave a speech at Elizabeth Taylor's 65th birthday celebration. That was also an event for Amphar. Yeah. Um, and at the Fantageous Theater in LA. Yes, yes. <laughs> and she, Madonna looks gorgeous. She has the bangs that she has for the Oscars. And she gives a really sweet speech about how much she loved Elizabeth Taylor. One of my favorite moments of that speech, though, isn't part of the speech where she just, right at the beginning when she comes out and she turns to Elizabeth Taylor and she's like, You look so beautiful. Mm. Hi, Elizabeth. You look so beautiful. Um, When I was a little girl, I wanted to be as beautiful as Elizabeth Taylor. I wanted to ride horses with my long, lustrous hair trailing behind me. I wanted to swing on a swing set with a velvet dress on. I wanted violet eyes and translucent skin. I wanted a 16-inch waistline and I wanted Montgomery Clift, Paul Newman, James Dean and Rock Hudson to put their arms around it. A girl can dream, can't she? Much to my regret, Elizabeth Taylor has stopped making films. But her light continues to shine in a much more wondrous fashion. 
without accolades and fanfare, without a movie studio behind her, without the star-making machinery of Hollywood, and without applause. Since 1985, she has worked tirelessly to raise money for AIDS, to raise awareness for AIDS, to enlighten Congress about the need for a needle exchange, to shake up the United Nations about educating third world countries. And so tonight we honor you, Elizabeth, for your courage, for your strength, for your convictions, for your compassion, but most of all, for your inspiration. By sharing your light, you have unconsciously given us permission to do the same. You are the most golden of stars. Happy birthday. Um, and then Elizabeth Taylor comes on stage and gives you a big hug, as does Michael Jackson, who's there with Elizabeth Taylor. We can't forget that relationship. Uh-huh. The other thing that's great is when Elizabeth Taylor comes up on stage, everybody gives a, a standing ovation, and it pans out to the audience, and there's a very... Um, how do I say it? A very uh, begrudging applause from uh, Miss Shirley MacLaine, who is just sort of like <laughs> oh God. clearly there because it's a business event, but not thrilled that they're giving that that she has to be there for Elizabeth Taylor. But I want to note it too because, like, as <laughs> Madonna, yeah, poor Shirley MacLaine, uh, not poor Shirley MacLaine. First of all, Shirley MacLaine has lived many lives and has had many masters, as we know. Um, but uh, uh, no, so. But the one thing, the other thing I want to note about that is it was Elizabeth Taylor's 65th birthday. And as we're moving closer to Madonna's 65, it's just interesting to think about that moment. Well, and and I remember looking at that and seeing Madonna looking so natural and stripped back and simplified and um, everybody else in that was trying so hard. Yeah. And you know, Jackson's got the military. He he's he's in his post dangerous era. Yeah. History is looming, that <laughs> that greatest hits and new album by him. And Elizabeth Taylor's looking all decked out. Like there's just something very like like simple and and, and she's stripping back to basics yeah. while everybody else is like cluttering themselves up. Totally for the for the last little gasp of the nineties. Mm, interesting. That's yeah. very good. I felt yeah. that way about about when with Courtney Love as well. Like there, she's made up. She's very like yes. everyone's trying so hard, and it it uh, this this period is a really interesting time because Madonna feels like she's stepping back from trying so much. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, in this we see over and over again through this period, she's she's coming more to Earth Mother. She's coming more to yeah. be grounded and stripping away, stripping away. Yeah, I think. That's great. So, so ray of light. Uh, ray of light. Nothing takes the past away like the future. I truly believe that no matter what you've done in your life, you can always change where you are by, you know, looking to the future and from that moment on being a different person. I do think that the birth of my daughter was sort of a rebirth for me. It made me look at life in a completely new way. And that made me appreciate life in a way that I don't think I ever had before. This album has been a really interesting um, uh, 
topic of conversation for years and years and years because for many people, particularly um, a certain segment of Madonna fans younger than us, yeah. maybe like 10 years younger, um, this is their gateway album. This yeah. is the album they heard that kind of penetrated their, uh, like, you know, Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears, uh, you know, Train, all of those, like, crazy bands that were happening around this time. It kind of penetrated that, and this was the album that they 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 kind of glomped onto with Madonna. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, it was a new generation. Like four or five years had passed before a big Madonna push for an album had come a pop out. album. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was, and she was on the cover of every magazine, you know, and Rolling Stone, which you know, which was a major important magazine for for pop culture at that time. Well, Vanity Fair as well, of course, with the baby. Well, and there was we're forgetting one other thing that happened in 1997, which was the Rolling Stone. Women in Rock issue. Yes, with with Courtney Love and, and Tina, Tina Turner. Turner. Yes. And the three of them are on the cover together. Madonna is in a she is cir- she's tor- she's going towards her ray of light look. Yeah. Like that's what's so interesting about 97 is the way you see it kind of happening. Yeah. And it's not calculated and like okay now i'm gonna put this on she's evolving into it and the interview is so fascinating and interesting because all the the, this issue was amazing so uh, and there's always these like things about women in rock it's the year of the woman blah 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 which mostly is bullshit let's just say but this issue of rolling stone was a mega issue it was to celebrate an anniversary of rolling stone and they basically interviewed every woman of uh, in in rock music long interviews like madonna's interviews like three or four pages long and about their influences and what they like and you know i know she talks about Joni mitchell and court and spark and this one there's a lot and they talk to everybody everybody who is making music in 1997 and so so it's another thing where madonna's real and to me that's the beginning of the ray of light era is that rolling stone Mm. issue and the other thing that's notable about it is how many of the younger women who are interviewed cite Madonna as an influence. Right. Well, that is that is a new shift too, because like, and this goes back to your point about her becoming like this elder statesman. It's now like, or statesperson. There's all of these artists who are like, oh, I grew up listening to Madonna, and that's how I created my sound, including Britney Spears, yeah. who's really hitting her becoming this is sort of the year or two where she right what year does britney spears come out is it like 96 97 97. yeah so we're sort of just now in that next generation it's like and in addition to the music there's also they mention giving her giving them permission yeah madonna gave them permission to to go after music to give (sighs) to kind of have uh to put myself out there that there would be a place for me that happens a lot in this time. Yes. Well, that makes me think too, like of Madonna as mother, that it has so many different meanings because she's the mother to all of these pop stars too. Like she's sort yeah. of now like she's birthed them, you know, and that really changes her position and perspective or our perspective of her too. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And, um, and, and makes her more of her, her time out in the um, anti-establishment 
has kind of coming to an end. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, she's going to be again um, at the MTV Music Awards later in 98, performing with Lenny Kravitz. And in 99, she's um, presenting best, um, best video of the year with a Beatle. I mean, she is now the establishment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a little while. Yeah. <laughs> so Madonna starts writing songs. She has a lot to say, obviously, um, after having the baby, having the experience of doing Evita. She's kind of gotten everything she wants. So what does she want to say? And she starts writing songs with Babyface again and um, kind of the old. And I feel like this becomes a thing for a while where Madonna tries to work with the, the original people she had just worked yeah. with to see if they could do more. Yeah. And then none of nothing really happens with those right. sessions. Right. There's one. There's one babyface song that has a sort of take a bow feel to it, but doesn't quite rise. And um, well, and then and then she writes with Rick Knowles, who I was really excited to to find out about because Rick Knowles is uh, one of the great um, Stevie Nicks collaborators, particularly on an album that's just crazy. It's called The Other Side of the Mirror. Hmm. And um, uh, she made it with Rupert Hines, who's a British uh, producer. But Rick Knowles wrote a lot of the really like Room on Fire and whole lot of like he he wrote a lot of those songs with her. So I was really excited to to ha- to have Madonna writing with Rick Knowles, and and he wrote three songs with her. Um, and he she wrote with Pat Leonard. Yeah, she goes back to Pat, and they they you know four of his songs end up on the album, and perhaps some would say. Oh, the the best song, the best song on the album, though. Yeah, there's one that I think is obviously a masterpiece. Right? Well, she's dabbling and she's so she's kind of trying to find the voice for the album. And similarly yeah. to Bedtime Story, she's kind of wandering around dating people songwriting wise. And then William Orbit. Yeah, who she had had. Obviously, we talked about William Orbit before and he had done remixes as far back as Justify My Love um, for her. And she'd really liked all of those. There's this great interview with William Orbit on another podcast called the Disinfect Podcast that actually one of our... Uh, yeah, kudos to Matt Booth, our our listener uh, for uh, hooking us up with this podcast. Yeah, and, and it's a great podcast. And actually, William Orbit comes on the podcast because they are talking about... About how American Pie is voted as like the worst um, cover song of all time in Britain. Wow! Uh, in Britain, and, what, and a, so, what a so, kudo! And it's really funny to hear him talk about American Pie. I can't wait till we get to American Pie. But um, he talks about how um, Madonna, like how uh, Guy O'Siri had like reached out, and he was like, "No, I, he didn't. He didn't know that he had anything to offer Madonna, but he had actually made like a whole like album of songs already that he was ready to go. That may have been part of his like strange cargo series. Yeah." Because, um, but he and then he was like, well, and he had like friends who were like, just send them that stuff. It's good. And so finally, he eventually sent like this tape of all these sort of beginnings of songs or some songs that had parts to it. Um, landscapes, sketches, landscapes. ideas. She really responds to these sounds and says like, hey, let's get into the studio and see what we can do, which is, again, she's just dating and seeing, but this sort of starts to take off. Yes. And at some point, you know, he's working, he comes to her and he's working in like a studio with all the stuff that's in the studio. And he's like, I can't work with all this stuff because it's not mine. Right. Like I have a whole system that I use at home Yeah, and they, um, and so she's like, well, 
then let's bring all your shit here because I want to keep working with you. And so they ship all of his equipment from his home studio to LA. And those guitars. And all those all the guitars. guitars. <laughs> because that was the thing I think that she, well, they both found surprising is that they both really, you know, found that they wanted to use a lot of guitar in the album. Yeah. Which is something I want to point to at this album because even though this, it's like what always gets highlighted in this album is how electronic it is mm. and how it's this electronica, you know, thing. But I actually would say, and anybody can fight me on this, that this is actually Madonna's first great rock album. I think it's a rock and roll album. Okay. Like, I think that... Elaborate. Well, I mean, especially for the first four or five songs that, you know, like, it's heavy on guitar. Yeah. It almost feels punk in some ways to me. The guitar riffs are central frequently, mm. and I think they really drive the the attitude of the album. And um, I, I can get on board with that. I can totally get on board with that because I remember when the album came out. I was so shocked by how much guitar there was, particularly like I like, and not to go too far ahead, but like in Swim when the the guitar starts strumming. Yeah, then I'm like, oh my god, this is like. A real guitar rock. Yeah. 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 Okay. I mean, especially the first four songs, like, are all guitar based. Yeah. Like, even Ray of Light, if you, it's yeah. really, no, no. it's on a guitar riff. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, and those, that's a rock and roll song. I think that's partly where it gets into a strange place as it moves forward in her career, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um, but let's just now go to. Is there anything else we need to say as preamble before we get actually to, you know, the song? Um, I think the only other thing I would say is it's it's one of the longest time, uh, periods she took to make a record. Um, yeah. And I think that this was a time that she uh, really, they were really focused, but she was also like dealing with the kid and dealing with like other things going on. And I think that this... This feels like, while there's a lot, what I love about this record is it feels like she's asking a lot of questions and being okay with not having the answers all the time. And that's a new thing. Usually Madonna's like, I have a, I have something to tell you and you're going to listen and it's right. Yeah. There's less of that on this. And yet the recording process, she is when you watch the interview of Madonna doing it, um, when Kurt Loder goes to visit her while she's recording, she's light, she's having fun. I think she's having a lot of fun. There's a lot of joy on the whole album. And you see a lot of the, there's kind of an anchoring, This the songwriting process and the recording process kind of anch- was her anchor throughout this year because she knows she was working towards something. Yeah, well, I don't think she'd really, well, she hadn't really been in the studio, like, you know, f- for something that she had some so much control over in many years. Yeah. She also, um, we don't know exactly when this happened, but based on this, the songs that are on this album, it seems to me that uh, she and Carlos were over by the time she started to record. Mm-hmm. So she's alone. She may be a little sad. Yeah. Um, she also has this baby to take care of. And, um, and she doesn't really know where she's headed. You know, and you're right. I think that leaves her in this place where she has a lot of questions. She's also looking at mortality. She's a mother now, and she all of her life she's been in the shadow of her mother, or her her mother has been over her in some way, and now she's also be embodying that in a new way. So yeah, I think it is really, really, really um, 
she slowed down, you know, she's out of the gym, she's out of running, she's just doing yoga, she's breathing, she's thinking about spirituality, she's meditating, you know, she's in a, she's studying the Kabbalah, which we haven't oh, talked oh about. Oh boy. She's befriended Gwyneth. Oh, yeah, that's her. That's happening. Right? That's happening. I forgot yeah. about Gwyneth. I'm never, I never forget about Gwyneth. I never forget about Gwyneth. She's always with us. Whether we like it or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that totally. babysitter that still follows you on Facebook from hot grade school. Oh, uh, Gwyneth. Oh, Gwyneth's, Gwyneth's following me. Um, let's talk about Drowned World Substitute for Love. Okay, cool. You see? this song um i remember it being so out of the box when i heard it the first time it felt very broadway to me there was some yeah i know there was something about the specificity of the lyrics the listing of everything um and the way her voice had transformed um where she was kind of belting uh felt very broadway to me and i was like oh my god madonna's like become it just it it was there was something very theatrical about it that i was just so enamored with Hmm. it is certainly a super theatrical song absolutely yeah yeah i adore this song and um i found it to be very grounding like at the beginning of this album uh in a way that really well it just sets the tone for the rest of the album but musically it's just so beautiful Mm. um the way that it really takes its time at the beginning to grow the the precision of her voice which actually um in the rolling stone review of this album rob sheffield who yes. was the you know the a wonderful writer he's a great yeah but he really takes her to ta- he like takes her to you know task on how precise her lyrics are and sort of makes fun of her for the way she says lovers yeah lovers is a very controversial pronunciation <laughs> lovers but it doesn't bother me at all nope um, I love the clarity of it, and I love how she really she uses her her 
you know, as Emily Clark said in our Evita interview, um, her instrument yeah. in this, because there's so much control and then so much power as the song builds. Well, and I think she really wants to get the message of it across. She wants yeah. to get the lyrics across to people. And, and if you notice her, when she is singing, it's very front front facing in the in the mix and it's very clear yeah um when she's doing her humming and her oohs and stuff Mm -hmm. that's all kind of buried in the mix and i love that i love that it's so well and it takes its time and that that those were kind of the things that i was i took away from the song when i heard it for the first time because i heard it when i got the record i did not know it beforehand it had been uh, mentioned in a lot of the pre uh press on it yeah but i hadn't heard the song yet so i get the song and it's five minutes long and she takes her time so i i was like oh this is going to be a serious album about big issues and madonna's going to take her time and we're not going to jam things into three and a half minutes yeah i didn't i didn't think that because i felt like well, certainly with erotica, she had she had had longer songs too, you know. And again, like you know, bedtime stories to me actually to me is the outlier in her catalog. But I know I'm outside of this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I you thought are. you know I thought that yeah thanks. But I thought <laughs> that the like here we have the classic Madonna hums and you know like yeah. the most beautiful part of the song because it also for me well there's so many parts of the song I love but those to me like smell like sound of like experience yes um and pain Mm. and um you know and and regret even though there's absolutely no regrets um that there's just this sort of like it's like a first looking back Mm -hmm. that we have from her you know um i think right i can't think of a song before this well this used to be my playground i guess is a looking back song but in an abstract way, she yeah. we know exactly what she's singing about. We know exactly what she's she's referencing in this song. Yeah, and um, let's talk a little bit about the song. This the 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 song was written actually by William Orbit, um, and then also it includes um, a uh, sample from a band called the Sebastian Strings, the San Sebastian Strings, um, and the songwriters are Rod Rod McEwen and Anita Kerr. Um, and the song was called Why I Follow the Tigers. Yeah, but the only thing that they sample from that is You See. I think so, but isn't there anything else from no. it? I've listened to it, and it's it's a great song, actually. We can listen to a clip of it. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's like a sort of story song. It's great. It's like a poem. You see, it's this way. That's really all they use from that. Well, and I I like it because I'm trying to think of how I how I feel about the sample in it because what what does that voice do to the song? Like what does what does you see in, in the song mean yeah. in this in this way? Yeah, why did they use it? Um, but for me, it sort of like takes me to like it 
it grounds the album in the weirdest way. It creates the landscape for the album in a yeah. way. Like it sort of tells me I'm like, it feels like I'm in a movie. Yes. And I feel like a lot of this album to me feels like a soundscape. Or, it's yes. a very cinematic movie, yeah. uh, record. Yeah. 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 So it grounds me in that way. It makes me feel like there is some kind of narrator or somebody who she's ref- in relationship to. Um, oh, but it also like when that you see comes out, it feels like that's when the song starts. Yeah. And, and there are additional lyrics by uh, David Collins, which I thought was a really interesting uh, yeah. curveball and David Collins was a, a very um, noteworthy um, interior designer who um, Madonna wrote a, a forward to a, a book of his his work yeah after of, he passed uh, away yeah and he died um, and she actually performed this song in uh, during the Rebel Heart tour um, for and dedicated to him while she was in London. Yeah. Well, they had met when she was doing Evita. He yeah. sort of, um, she writes in this forward about how she was so depressed and alone in Evita. And then he sort of popped into her life and was like, I'm going to take you out. And he would take her out every night um, to places all, and made her fall, helped her fall in love with London mm. and met, met a lot of people and also introduced her to tons of art and culture in ways that she wouldn't have had access to or somebody that like an insider and that their friend, then he also designed many of her houses or did, you know, in the, in the two thousands. Yeah, yeah. And just became a sort of safe haven for her over and over again. Like their, friendship um is really beautiful and apparently he wrote a lot of songs a lot of lyrics for her that he would send her all the time be like maybe you want to use this maybe you want to use this i love that and she was like his lyrics were always like really melancholy and it always came from a place of pain i felt like he had a lot of pain i don't think it's just a little bit of the lyrics that he wrote i think he wrote a significant portion of this i mean Mm. not like you know that she doctored up and revised, but that he wrote thinking of her. And it's such just a tribute to like her love of him too, that she uses them or that she connected with them. Well, and, and maybe you, what I find interesting about it is, is maybe also the accuracy that she describes in the song needed an outside perspective. Like, I don't know necessarily if Madonna would have said all of those things without it already being written out and being and considered the ideas. Yeah, I think you're right. Because it is a it, it is a very vulnerable song and I do feel like for Madonna to say and now I find I've changed my mind yeah. is a huge admission. Yeah. To, for her. Yeah. Huge admission for her. Yeah, totally. It's a big it's a big it's a big sea change and very exciting and it really um it's almost like the truth of it sets her free to like step into the light and do the rest of the record. Like yeah. she almost needs to grapple with this. Okay, I thought fame was going to be this way. It turned out to be this way. And there's also this element over here that I don't really want to talk about, but is really damaging as well. Because there's yeah. mystery to it too. Yeah. And now I've said, you know what? I'm going on in a new direction. These were the wrong ways. Now I'm going this way. Right. Are you in or are you out? I don't know if she's asking us, are we in or are we out? <laughs> I think that's Mark Snyder. But I think she's saying... I felt it. I I've, was like, are you in, are you on board with this record or not? This song is like, it's making really bold choices musically and stylistically. I don't think and, she's asking though. I don't think she cares. I, I don't think, that's think she does either. <laughs> I think that's what's also exciting and interesting about this album is that she doesn't care. Like about... Yeah. And, 
and that we hadn't seen her be in that phase really again for an, for five years yeah since you know? erotica yeah that that's yeah. where it's also a return to form for me yeah um there are a couple of lyrics i want to point to that i have i have that have always bothered me and i just want to point to them okay the very first is the very first line of the song i traded fame for love now when i hear that i feel like she like gave up her fame for love but that's what the line seems to imply to me because i actually think what she means is i traded love for For fame fame. of course so why does she say it that way because it's wrong it's incorrect or do you know what i mean yeah I think, uh, well, first of all, ending it with fame sounds different on yeah. the line. So, well, yeah, I traded the, love for fame. I traded love for fame without a second thought. It all became a silly game. Oh. Some things cannot be bought. It still would have worked. It, it would have rhymed better, too. And it also would have made story sense. Now, I would love if somebody would be like, no, Kenny, you're getting the syntax wrong or you're getting it wrong. Like, But that's always bothered me. Okay. The other lyrics that bother me are... Um, the lines leading up to I never felt so happy or that line I never felt so happy but in context I had so many lovers who settled for the thrill of basking in my spotlight I never felt so happy well I think I think that she's looking at it ruefully like I thought I was happy that's what I think I thought I was happy I mean, she could. I, I feel like that's. You think just, she should have saying, "I thought I was happy." <laughs> I thought I was happy. No, 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 no. I don't. I don't want like. Uh, I don't. I no, no, no. I just felt like a, it wasn't quite. It didn't quite. I felt like it wasn't as eloquent as other parts of the song. That's all. Yeah. That one is minor. The first one that I traded fame for love has always bothered me. Mm. I'll go with it, and I love that line. But like, I it's also, also the first line of the whole album, yeah. and I think that that's the. That's kind of the treatise for the whole thing. And I don't think, I think she wrote that down. She was like, we're starting the album with this. I don't care if it means anything. I mean, in a way, I think she also means like, I traded, no, I traded fame (laughs) for love. It should have been, I traded love for fame. Uh, What's your favorite part of the song? Um, I have, I have so many favorite parts of the song. I love when it all breaks down and she's like the face of you substitute for love and it's just her and the guitar. Yeah. Um, Beautiful. and I guess, I guess after, I guess it's really that build from there because then I love when we get into famous faces, um, you know, the bridge, places. Yeah, bridge I mean, yeah. the bridge. And then, and then when she just hums after the bridge, yeah. like, oh, and there's that kind of God. catharsis to the bridge. substitute for love my substitute for love should I wait for you my substitute for love my substitute for
we never come back to the bridge. It's like right. my favorite is the. Um, uh, uh, I found myself in crowded rooms, feeling so oh, alone. Yes. And there's this way that the dr- there's a drum, yes, yes, and and it almost kind of like moves you to the side. Yes, I yes. love that. I yes. love that. That's my favorite. Partner. Yes, I love when the drums come in, and I love when we there's the space of just the the instruments playing before she sings too in that part. Um, and then and then the end when everything drops out and she sings, "This is my religion." It's yeah, just I love that. It's like all the strands of Madonna come together and yeah. there we are and we're ready for this new world. It's it's a brilliant opener to the album. And she I mean, she performed it live um as the kickoff of the Drowned World Tour. Yeah. What which a I love. Exciting opening. And she sings it so beautifully. I love that she chose that because it also really grounded her voice and mm-hmm. it, it was so vulnerable too. It's just her and it's on that rising platform and we just see her like just look at me here I am and then again in similar to the way you're saying it gives her permission that song sort of gave her permission to do this concert you know and like yeah. she's like I'm back it's been a long time it's a different me this is a different world here we go yeah she performs it a whole uh, uh, several other times on other uh, other tours right over yeah the she does it on the confessions tour which I remember it being so kind of fabulous and, and dramatic and I was I was loving that it was back and 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 she did it with um, and, and it was during that like like singer songwriter yeah. section of Confessions after all that dancing. And I do think it's a great song to kind of bring down everybody down to what really matters. does it again on Tears of a Clown. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is really more like a sing-along. Yeah, which is a weird one. That's a weird one because it's, it, yeah. it, to me, this is such an inner monologue song for Madonna. Yeah. Um, and then there's that video, which, Ugh. so th- this song actually has a weird um, U.S. relationship. Yeah. It was never released as a single in the U.S., but everywhere else it was. Yeah. It was a number one hit in Spain. Well, it was released as the third single. Um, but internationally. Internationally, yeah. yeah. Whereas in America, really, the third single becomes Power of Goodbye. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, internationally, it was the third single, and yeah, it was a big hit in certain countries. And and it has remixes that are that are just lovely. Um, beyond <laughs> lovely, that that remix is one of my favorites of all times, especially at the bridge. The BT and Sasha mix. That is one of my favorite. I that is still, really. Oh yeah, that is still in my like cardio wow. mix, like when I go and do my cardio, because I love the beat. And then um, her vocal sounds great, but the best part of that is it all like you know at the the middle of the song it gets really quiet and then it builds and then it goes into the bridge and they have the drums built. We're gonna play it because you have to just like <laughs> it's so good. So yeah, I love that remix. And then also in that remix is a great actual extended version of Sky Fits Heaven, which I actually love too. Yeah, um, that's a great one too. But the video, the video to me is one of my favorite Madonna videos because I feel like we're actually seeing Madonna. Like, and the parts of Madonna that I always talk about loving, which are like the Madonna going down the street in her tracksuit and sunglasses on her way to and fro the gym, or like she's just going out on a night in the town, you know, I, and you know, all the paparazzi waiting outside her door and yeah. how she has to rush into the limo. We see her actual bodyguard, yeah. you know, her bodyguards, like that she really were her real bodyguards at the time. Um, and, you know, at first I thought, oh my God, you know, similar to our other times where we talk about, are we actually Madonna's house? I was like, when she comes out of the, you know, she's coming down the steps. Oh, by the way, at the beginning of this video, it starts, <laughs> there's a TV on. First of all, can I just say, I love Ray of Light, Kenny Finkel. Uh, <laughs> he's been held hostage by Bedtime Stories, Kenny I'm Finkel. Back. I'm finally back. I'm free. I'm free. Well, and was- I'm a little, little more like, I'll sit in the back seat and play on my phone while we take this trip. Oh my God. I just love that about you. I'm so surprised too. Like, <laughs> we'll, well, come this album, we'll, 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 we'll get there. I mean, this album was like, I was in graduate school at the time. I remember when it came out. I remember um, how one of my classmates in my class was like, knew I was obsessed with Madonna. And by the way, I didn't say this in the Avita episode, but I went to school with um, Alan Parker's son. And, um, <laughs> and we were in class together. We were in the same like writing class. Yeah. Um, and for two years and like we could never talk about his father um he became he went on and became actually he's a pretty um successful film director himself but he could never talk about his father you know directly of except course. like when avita came out i all, the only thing i ever said to him was like are you are you are you going to the like opening? And he's like, Oh yeah, of course, of course. And I was like, Oh, I, I you know, and that's literally all I could ever say. Okay. Like, we could never like 
break that, you know. Do you need a plus one? I was like, I am so available. I am available. My passport is up to date. Um, um, he, I don't know. I think he likes me, but anyway, it doesn't matter. So another classmate, though, had, had apparently heard Frozen on the radio, you yeah. know, like, and was like, you have to hear it, you have to hear it. So I was just dying for this album to come out. I was so excited, and I remember coming out and, like, how important it was to me at the time. I was living by myself in a professor's apartment that I was renting, and I had, like, a CD player and a great sound system yeah. in my bedroom, and I just remember playing it over and over again, and it was really, it was a really, really important album for me at the time but well um, and, and i and i do think i i mean i've heard many 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 stories of that being it was a, it was a friend to a lot of people it was an album that provided a lot of call because there 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 is a loneliness in the the whole album that yeah. and this song and the video talks about it there there's a loneliness and an isolation and a lot of people were feeling that and i'm i'm also curious like in this time, in this era, in 2022, um, it, it, how people would take to it now? Because you know we're 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 entering, we're going to have an anniversary next year, 25 years of yeah. Ray of Light, and I'm curious if it will kind of come back into the zeitgeist again. Yeah, I'm curious too. I mean, she talks about in some interviews about you know what she's channeling and feeling at this time. She's like, well, we're about to end a millennium. Yeah, like. Um, and she's like, I think a lot of people are reflecting and thinking about like, where are we going and what's happening? And yeah. I think that was really in the air and, and that she was capturing it. And I was responding to that. I was responding to just like, you know, it's what Madonna. are we going to take with us and what are we going to leave behind? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that again, Madonna, you know, in her evolution was also asking, you know, asking me like, well, where am I in my evolution? How have I changed? What am I thinking about? You know, and what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, let's go back to the video. Uh, I'm sorry. So the video, first of all, <laughs> she looks phenomenal. Um, She's a little overpainted, you know what I mean? But like, I love the hair is the hair we see in all the album covers and everything. And she's, she, you know, goes, she's just going out for a night. I don't know. Is it like she's going to a party? Um, well, she's in, it's shot in Britain. Yes, that's, yes. The, that's the key thing. And the way that it's filmed is very much like, like UK television. It looks totally. very much like the UK way that they shoot everything. Oh yeah, but this is what I wanted to say at the beginning yes. of the video. The video starts and we are in like a TV screen and mm -hmm. it's like there's Animal Planet on the TV screen and then it pans out and Madonna has a remote and she's turning it off. So it implies that she was at home watching Animal Planet before she goes out. It's relaxing. <laughs> it just cracked me up. She's like, oh, it's time to go. I'll just I'll just watch this program later. Well, maybe Click. Lourdes likes, likes Animal Planet planet maybe, maybe. lord has probably turned around to animal plant planet yeah i think that's probably right yeah. um so then she goes out she leaves her her brownstone there she's you know paparazzi everywhere she gets into the limo and there's that great shot of her it's so sad yeah of her and her sunglasses in the car, like sort of huddled down, like sort of crouched, singing the lyrics to the song, about, like about being so lonely, like that the fame has left her alone. Mm. And then she goes to this crazy party where they do all of that crazy, um, like manja face. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she's like, ugh, this party is gross. And so she has to leave it, right? She runs into like the back of the, the you know, where all the workers are for safety. <laughs> she runs and like, she's not wearing a bra, right? Because everything's bouncing. You know, she, but she looks phenomenal. Uh, and she, and do you think I, she really ran into the kitchen? 
<laughs> you mean that wasn't planned? No. Do you think that she's like like in a green screen, or she is actually in the back of a kitchen? It looks like she's in the back of a building, right? Okay. That's what it looks like. All I don't right. know. You, did you think it was a green no, screen? Just teasing. No, it teasing. looked like she's whatever wherever they filmed it. It looks like they had access, right? <laughs> and then all the people in the back are like you know looking at her, and she's like, "Ugh, I wish I wish people would stop looking at me." Then she runs away again, and she sees this um, housekeeper, and the housekeeper smiles at her, and she gives the smile like, "Oh, you must be safe." And then the housekeeper takes out that disposable camera and I takes know. a picture. So violating. Uh, that's that's the most violating moment in the in in it to me is is when the housekeeper. Oh, because I think when she comes back to the party and then all the faces get all crazy and they're all sort of reaching for her. Yeah, I I didn't care. I was uh, I was more of the one on one was like, oh, I'm gonna let my guard down and trust this like worker because I'm amongst the people. And yeah. then all of a sudden, she also she's not safe. She's anywhere. not safe either. And then she runs. She takes to the streets and she just <laughs> runs, which kind of cracks me up because they're all chasing her, you know. And I'm like, um, really? But she also only really runs like what looks like a block. And I'm like, why did she take a limo to the place that she could have walked? <laughs> but anyway, she gets back to her house. She slams the door. She doesn't lock it, but we see up in the corner that there's like obviously security some security. Cameras, yeah. But I'm also like, she just comes to her house and closes the door, and she's safe. And then... Well, the the bodyguards are probably standing guard outside. Yeah, but she ran. No, we didn't see the bodyguards chasing after her. Well, they were just beyond the camera. Okay, okay. They're always there. I just love the idea of like, if I were walking down the street in London and Madonna's like, get out of my way. The par- <laughs> I gotta get home. Get into my brownstone. She gets home. And then we see these little feet oh on the God. floor. Oh, God. And a little baby jumps into her arms. She holds her like she's finally home. And she looks at the camera and then her face again over made up. And she's like, I've changed my mind. She doesn't say that. We just see her look at the camera really dead on the same way. The most dead on she's looked at since absolutely no regrets. Yep. And she says, this is my religion. Yeah. I could watch that video all day. I love it so much. I find it a little melodramatic and 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 kind of crazy. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and and uh, it got a lot. Walter Walter Stern directed the video. It was shot in London in the Piccadilly Circus area of London. Um, it does signify. It did signify to me. Oh, Madonna is is spending time in London. Like this was the beginning, really, of her being in London all the time. And um, I just remember it being like, oh. And and again, there was also this was also in hindsight of Diana, Diana, yeah. and all of the reporting around Diana yeah. had died, but now only now were the stories of like this is actually what happened and and how this all came about. Um, the, the the echoing of that I think is very intentional, and I don't know, like. I don't. I, uh, this was a moment where I was like, "You can't have it both ways, my love. You can't have it both ways. You've played this game, and now you're." I get what she's trying to do in the video, and yet it still feels like a very like Madonna version of reality. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's why I'm here for it. Because, <laughs> but I feel like anytime I can see, even if it's, even if it's. 
um, manufactured. Mm. Anytime I can see what's behind the curtain, you know, no. I'm into. Al Kashishian in that great interview that Ingrid Sishi does in Vanity Fair <clears throat> talks about this song and how like this was the song where he was like, this is finally the Madonna that I see and hear, you know, in real life. Like yeah. her complicated relationship with her fame and her celebrity. I didn't feel like it was at all melodramatic, meaning like she is besides princess diana the most famous woman in the world yes and for her to talk about like how hard it is to be a human being yeah with that i felt like was probably like and to show us in whatever way she could in Mm. this sort of story version of her life i thought was really um well to me it was just so delicious you know and and, uh, what I do like about it is and I appreciate is um, the lack of there's no kind of metaphorical she's not hiding behind anything it is a very accurate portrayal of what she's trying to say and in that way it feels very documentary-esque yeah and I like that there's not um, all the imagery in in all the other videos of this time she's not hiding she's not using anything to cloud the meaning of it she's like it's her it's rea- it's her version of reality and, and well, i think that that's interesting nothing really matters but that's another story for well, that's a day. whole other that's a whole other thing um so uh, yeah i think it's a it's a it's a great way to start this album it's it's a gauntlet throne um and I do think it's one of her best songs on the album and also of her career. A hundred percent agree. And I almost am kind of like, wow, how much how how much better is this album gonna get if this is the first song? Yeah. Till next time. Bye. <laughs>